0: Our podcast series we have, we've been busy uh, trying to get some podcasts uh, rolled out to the public, and we still have one we're working on from uh, from before Labor Day that's the second series about uh, the dairy beef cross calves from a carcass standpoint. So we're getting that worked on, and we'll get that to you as soon as we can. Uh, this right here is episode 11, and this episode is brought to you by 4D Ag World in Canyon. And uh, if you'll remember, we did uh, interview that couple, the the Dykstra's or the, the Vries, uh that um, live in Canyon and have their little business of selling supplies for the dairy industry. And so they graciously come forward to sponsor this podcast as well. And so if you need uh, anything from that standpoint, please get in touch with them. They, they do a wonderful job on social media to, to advertise their product. Matter of fact, the rubber floors are are. I guess popular because that's what everybody's calling me about. So I've been uh, sending them that way, but 40 uh, Ag World, give you a shout out. You guys are the ones that are sponsoring this episode day. And actually I'm never nervous with my episodes because uh, all the people that I've talked to or interviewed are people that I don't know. And so this one's a little different because I do know this person. Uh, actually this, this probably would be my most special podcast, I guess, because I've known this guy my entire life uh he is my uncle and uh what we're going to talk about today is a little bit about his uh his work and the research and the passion that he has with the triticale industry and uh so i mean this 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 deal could go all over the place uh he knows me better than i know myself probably so for for my listeners out there uh this is this is the one you want to tune into because not only are you gonna get some content about triticale uh you might get a little bit of content about me too and so uh, but one more thing I want to say before we get going and I'm going to let him introduce himself. I could introduce him. I could tell you all about the places we've been, all the things we've seen. Uh, but I'm going to let him do some of that here in a minute. But I really want to uh, thank everybody that's been listening to this podcast. Um, I was just telling him a minute ago that um, the people that are, that are following this and listen to it are people from all walks of life, uh, people in the ag industry, people out of the ag industry, Um, some guys, I think just, uh, scroll through ag podcasts, find it. They see the AgriLife logo and they click on it and they figure out, oh, that's that guy that bought pigs from me the other day, or that's the guy that went to college with or whatever. And so, um, the support of the people that are listening and really pushing this along is just unmatched. And so I just want to really thank everybody that's been following and listening to this and, uh, you know. One more thing before we get to my uncle, and I'll introduce him the right way, but uh, there's a guy that has helped me with this podcast from the very beginning, and he was a county agent in Texas. Uh, he's now moved to uh, Kansas State University Extension, and he's working out of Hutchinson, Kansas. And uh, so if he's listening, or if anybody you all know, know him, his name is Marcus Pruninger, and Marcus uh, obviously is younger than me and has helped me figure out the software side Uh, but I want to just send out some prayers for him right now. He's uh, battling some health problems. He's been in the hospital, and typically when I have a problem with the podcast, I send it to him, and so he's been out of the hospital this week, and I felt bad about sending my podcast because I made a mistake, and he had to fix it for me, but um, Marcus, if you're listening, everybody down here in Texas is thinking about you, and we hope you get better soon. With that being said, I'll go ahead and inter, uh, introduce this guest that I have today. And he's not, like I said, not just an ordinary guest. He's the one that makes me nervous about this deal. So uh, this is my uncle. His name is Ron Kirschen. Ron lives in uh, Canyon, Texas. Um, as long as I've known Uncle Ron, he's uh, been involved with doing something with Triticale or cattle his whole entire life, as long as I know. I mean, I know he's kind of dabbled in some of the horse business and other little things before too, but. Uh, is for all the years that I've been on this earth, these are the things that he's passionate about, and he's made it his life work, and so um, there was really no other person to really interview that I would ever think about interviewing about Triticale except him, and so uh, one of the earliest memories I have about Triticale is, you know, listening to conversations with him and my granddad, uh, other people around the Hereford area um, about some of the research they're doing, and what this crop really was. And, you know, um, there's people out there who um, may, maybe didn't give it enough credit at the beginning. And now it's just a, it's, it's such a diverse um, commodity that, that that serves a lot of different needs of different types of people and animals. And uh, so it's really cool whenever I'm driving through Bailey County and I see just Triticale everywhere because uh, it, hopefully at one point or another that derived from the research that Ron did uh, back a long time ago. And so it's kind of neat to watch somebody's life work really come to fruition. So uncle Ronnie, why don't you, uh, not you tell everybody else about yourself that I didn't, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on about talking about who you are, but maybe it's better that you do it for yourself.
1: Well, I am called the Triticale man. I've been working with Triticale for 51 years and, uh, I'll try to stick to Triticale and not say anything that would embarrass John's mother. (laughs) Uh, I I started in 1970. Uh, Triticale became a uh, commercial crop in 1968. And I was working for Paul Engler and uh, he had two guys come in his office and say, you ought to invest in this new thing called Triticale. And so he called me in and said, uh, your assignment is to find out all about it. So I spent the next six weeks researching Triticale. And I came back in, and I said, Paul, uh, the guys that were in your office are just a couple of promoters. But the real deal is out in California with Dr. B. Charles Jenkins, and I think it will eventually be profitable. So he said, okay, and gave me another assignment. And I came back from that and he said, I've decided to support Dr. Jenkins and you're in charge of it. So I went out and told dad and dad said, well, I've already got it growing in the field. And we we looked at the very first variety that was released. It was called A208. And uh, so we started at the beginning when there was basically no acres, Today, there's about 2 million acres in the United States. Most of it is used for dairy, silage, and hay, but it's also used for grazing, uh, a little bit for grain, a little bit for alcohol, uh, makes awful good whiskey. And uh, I still have one thing to do, and that's turn it into uh, bread on the shelves of the grocery store. And then when I do that, I'm going to quit. So. I'm, I'm slow, but I'm steady. Uh, we, uh, we have done everything. We're, I'm called the little red hand of the triticale industry. I've been a breeder, a salesman, an agronomist. And, and that was my principal job is, over these 50 years is to be a research agronomist. Uh, I've milled it, I've grown it, I've milled it, I've baked it. I've done the lobbying in Washington to get the laws that are necessary for us to have commerce. And uh, uh, it's been quite a ride. I'm, I'm uh, kind of pleased with my life. It's It's gone really well.
0: Yeah, so, you know, he mentioned uh, about the different parts of the, of the business itself, and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but um, he did mention something about milling it. And so one thing that uh, the listeners need to know is that it never fails. Uh, typically uh, in the fall of the year around the holidays, uh, he shows up in, in my office with the loaf of bread. And I, I guarantee if you've never tasted that flour, that bread, I mean, it's amazing. I don't know what it is about it, but, uh, or maybe it's just him making it. Maybe it's just the way you make it. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't to
1: take you. any credit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the variety itself. Yeah. Now, one thing that people need to realize is that saying the word triticale. It's like saying the word wheat, there's many kinds. And about 25 years ago, the research program split into two parts, one for grain and one for forage. And of course the forage end has really taken off and it's really helped dairymen, Uh, particularly on the Ogallala, we're using running out of water. Uh, We can make more forage with less water than you can with corn, and it milks just as well as corn. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that we're using the right varieties. There are varieties that are not quite so good, just like you probably wouldn't plant old turkey red wheat anymore. Uh, there are varieties that you don't want to plant, but the new modern varieties, uh, the, the main company is Watley Seed Company and and his Slick Trit dominates the market. It, it is really good. and. Uh, Just a disclaimer, I am under contract as a consultant to Whatley Seeds uh, and uh, uh, help with the program and help develop those varieties. Uh, On the bread end, we currently are doing research with University of California Davis uh, with new varieties. The the bread that I've been bringing out at Christmas every year for all of our customers and, and for John, is uh, 30% triticale. That's, that's all we can put in and, and make a decent loaf of bread because the gluten is weak. It, you know, being across with wheat and rye. The new variety that we're at the breeder seed stage with and that is being researched in California, we think we can do 60%. And that's a game changer because now triticale can be listed as the first ingredient on the label and now we can get serious about trying to find bakers who will put it on the market. And, uh, so I need to live about five more years and we'll get that done.
0: I think you got it in you. It's in your genes. You're probably going to live another 10 or 15 probably. Uh, uh, my doctor's not quite
1: that optimistic.
0: <laughs> well, if, if you can get some, uh, some, uh, if you can get it, figure out a way to get your loaf of bread made and that, that beer whiskey made, I bet maybe that'll help the longevity of your life a little bit.
1: So, oh yeah, uh, that, that, that dry fly Trinicale whiskey is the best whiskey you've ever had in your life. (laughs) So let's,
0: (laughs) uh, let's get back around to the dairy side of it. And so the people, for those people that, like I mentioned earlier, I've got all sorts of listeners and uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people by now know what triticale is, but for those that didn't catch the it, mango, it's essentially a cross between wheat and rye. And, um, you know, I don't know if uh, a lot of people could distinguish it, you know, um, post emergence from from wheat necessarily. But uh, let's talk a little bit the forage end and what makes it so much of a profitable uh, commodity for dairymen, uh, either from a from a a silage standpoint or a hay standpoint, whatever it may be?
1: The main thing is yield. We will yield between 20 and 30% more than the better wheat varieties in making silage. And because we grow during the winter, during the cooler part of the year, we are not dealing with near so much evaporation. So we are making much better use of water. Uh, I did a study a few years back Uh, we looked at 800 acres of corn and a couple thousand acres of triticale and we got the budgets for the actual ending budget for all of that crop. What we did was we averaged 62% of the yield of corn for 42% of the cost. And most of that cost is water. So it's the efficiency now that wouldn't make any difference if we didn't milk as well as corn, but we do it put up properly. You know, corn has a, a window. Uh, everybody knows when to put up corn. It, it, it's uh, just before black layer and uh, you maybe got a week's window. With triticale, you can choose what you want in the way of quality. At the flag leaf stage, it has about 20% protein at the soft dough stage it has about 10% protein and the digestibility has gone down. Most dairymen take it in a compromise just as it's cracking the boot in the neighborhood of 15% protein and uh, a decent yield. Uh, uh, We are averaging, our customers average probably about 16 ton per acre uh, with uh, uh, adequate water. Uh, our, our record is 25.6 ton. Uh, and that, that was an awful good farmer. Uh, uh, but uh, it's, it's very efficient on cost for the dairyman, makes better use of the water, and gives the neighbors a, a cash crop to sell to the dairy uh, that uh, is a win win for everybody. Uh, we do a a lot of work at New Mexico State University at Clovis. They've been researching triticale forage for 40 some years. uh, And uh, they they are as good as anybody in this area at gathering data. And uh, the varieties that I work with have been topping that test for many years in a row. And... and, uh, uh, we know that we make good milk. The What we've learned is that the amount of milk per acre is maxed out at the flag leaf stage, but the tonnage keeps increasing, it can decrease depending on variety between uh, 35 and 50% more tons. But the amount of milk per acre is maxed out when the flag leaf shows because that's when the greatest quality for the dairy uh, is in that product. Uh, For putting it up, you do have to lay it on the ground and give it about a day to wilt Uh, as as all silages. It's best put up at 65 to 68% moisture. And uh, uh, we hope that the dairymen will pay corn silage price. Uh, They're more used to paying wheat silage price Uh, because wheat is normally a a disaster when you take it for silage. And so the the dairyman or the customer expects a bargain. Uh, We're overcoming that and getting closer and closer to corn price all the time. Uh, A lot of dairies are putting a minimum protein at, and uh, they will pay 90% of corn silage price at 15% protein. But then they add $2 a point of protein. So if you bring in 18 protein, you get an extra $6. And uh, that program is working pretty
0: well. So uh, from the standpoint of putting up a silage, um, you know, there's other other things out there too. But, you know, the silage around here in bulk, uh, is, is there any difference in quality in the way you put it up in terms of whether you take it to – to haylage or silage or if you're green chopping it, I mean, all those differences in the way that you harvest that uh, feed source, are are there differences in terms of quality there?
1: No, the difference is in the maturity. Uh, It doesn't matter if you make it as hay or haylage or whatever, protein is there at at, at flag leaf and the protein is there at dough and and, uh, the digestibility is there. So it, it's it's the stage of growth that you put it up that matters, not the type of uh, silage or hay that you put up.
0: Right. So these varieties, the forage varieties, you know, uh, just from uh, from what I have gathered and looked at and trials and different stuff like that, even seeing pamphlets, just for people out there, we're talking about a a, a, a small grain that the size of that leaf is is massive. I mean, if, you, if all you know is wheat and that's your basis for knowledge, what we're talking about here is a forage that had the, the, the I don't know, the leaf is different. I mean, it's, it, it can be so massive and that's what makes the forage quality different in terms of, of the amount of forage there. And so that's what we're talking about in terms of what this would look like if you've never seen it at that stage of right before harvest. And so with that being understood, what, uh, where do you see the forage varieties going? I mean, they have come such a long way. Where do you, where do you see them going in terms of, of, uh, of how they're going to evolve?
1: In the new varieties that are close to being released, we have pretty well maxed out on tonnage. We, we, we've got about all you can stand before it falls over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we do work on is quality we keep improving the amount of milk per ton. Uh, For instance, when we changed from Slick trip 1 to Slick trip 2, we increased the milk per ton by about 55 pounds. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a step forward. And and the new varieties that uh, uh, we work with in conjunction with Texas A&M at at Bushland, and uh, the new varieties are even better on quality. The tonnage, it's awful hard to get more tons. When you can already grow it six feet tall, you, you're, you're, you're towards the top of what you can get on yield, but we can still improve quality and that's what we're working on.
0: So um, what, what do you think are the, what percentage of, do you think of the dairyman, let's say just the Panhandle or this area, uh, are using that as a, as a main, as a feed source.
1: Well, in the, what we call the Southern Plains from basically from the Arkansas river up near garden city, uh, down past Lubbock, uh, about 70% of the dairies are using Triticale in, in some form or another.
0: You know, I remember a long time ago, uh, when you were really uh, promoting it hard in terms of getting dairymen to use it, you were, you'd always told me that, uh, the dairymen in southwestern Kansas really hustling on it and uh so obviously it's kind of nice to see that migration as you'll say of people using it I guess up there in that part of the world they're still hot and heavy on it right
1: yeah we uh Andy Watley sold out of seed basically he's got a little bit left but but he's basically sold out again uh for umpteen years in a row it, it, it's been very good um uh, The, uh, you know, we we did research years ago that showed that we were equal to corn, but it didn't make any difference uh, until the water started to leave. When the realization that this was a more efficient way to use your water took off, then the triticale took off. And so the last 20 years, it has, uh, been getting more of a market share every year. And uh, that even includes ranchers who just want to graze it. Uh, Here on our ranch, uh, not, I don't own it, but I'm part of Broken Wind's cattle company. We uh, uh, have averaged probably about 20, 25% more beef per acre than we do with our wheats. And and we raise the best wheat so we can get. Uh, we really like the Variety Tam 204 for grazing, uh, but uh, the triticale is still out does it. Uh, we're right on the edge of Palo Duro Canyon and we winter the Palo Duro deer herd. And uh, they walk across the wheat to eat the triticale. It's, it's kind of interesting to watch. Uh, they, the deer sure like triticale. <laughs> and I was kidding the park superintendent, I said, we're going to charge you pasture rent for all your deer. And he said, and, uh, how many dollars do you make off of trophy hunting? And I said, "Never mind."
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's your very next thing in life is to figure out, a antler antler, uh, antler production based on triticale quality.
1: <laughs> you know, Texas tech did a study and, uh, they have a ranch down at post, uh, I think it was a leased ranch rather than own, but anyway, uh, they they showed the proof that the deer preferred the triticale and had a higher fawn crop on triticale, and that's old research already from from our uh, some of our original varieties.
0: On a grazing from a grazing standpoint, do you think cattle uh, choose uh, triticale over wheat if it's all interseeded?
1: We we have found that the quality of the grazing is pretty hard to differentiate but the poundage is easy Uh, you know it doesn't take you don't take much to pay for your seed if you get uh, another 20 percent more beef per acre it makes the seed pretty cheap and uh, i'm an old cowman, and i hate to spend money in the fall for seed just like my neighbors do but when the when the seed is basically free because of the extra pounds uh, it makes you think that this is a good way to go.
0: Yeah so let's talk about the seed cost is that is it comparable to uh, I mean I guess from an efficiency standpoint if you start really putting pencil to paper and you talk about all right I'm, I'm a little bit more devoid of water than I was 15 years ago um, I want to do this from an endpoint standpoint I guess what, how is it priced in comparable to other small grains?
1: The uh, triticale is, is probably another $10 per acre Then I'm assuming you're using good quality wheat seed. Uh, uh, those people that use VNS uh, bother me, but that's another subject. Uh, by the way, in, in, in triticale, I urge your listeners, do not buy VNS triticate seed.
0: All right. Tell people what that means.
1: VNS means variety not stated. And usually it's a seed that was grown of an old variety. Uh, It's uh, not grown under seed conditions. And sometimes they don't even know for for sure what it is. Sometimes they're bootlegging variety protected varieties by calling it VNS and they usually get caught, but uh, uh, the the good varieties are all plant variety protected, and uh, it's the only way we can pay for the research. And these are these are the superior varieties by far, and and you want to know. If if you don't know what it is, you need to ask your dealer to guarantee you what it is. You want the good stuff. You don't want. The, the the there's old varieties that uh, are about as good as wheat. There, there's a couple of them that uh, might freeze out, and this is something else that all the listeners need to know. There are true winter triticales, and then we have made a cross between winter and spring triticales that we call intermediate. Uh, scientists call them facultative, and they can have all the way from almost as much winter hardiness as a true winter, down to being pretty springish, pretty prone to winter kill. And you've got to know your varieties to know which one of those you can use. There's also a planting date. True winter varieties that need to be grazed in the fall need to be planted before the fall equinox because they are day length sensitive. And after, if you plant them in October, in the fall, they will grow just about like wheat. Come spring, they will just go boom and, and run away from the wheat. But for fall grazing, they need to be planted before the fall equinox. On the other hand, if you plant an intermediate variety before the fall equinox, You have to know if they can stand the hard freezes. Some of them will winter kill fairly easily. Others have to be under extreme circumstances to winter kill. I did a test many years ago. I planted a spring, uh, an intermediate variety and a winter variety on the 15th of September and the 23rd of September. Yes, that's right. And uh, I couldn't believe the difference. The winter variety planted the 15th and the one planted on the 23rd, you couldn't hardly believe the same variety in the amount of fall growth you got. Conversely, on the intermediate variety, the planted on the 15th, I had 40% winter kill. And on the 23rd, I had 10%, which you can live with 10%. And, and so I, I, that was a very valuable test that I did, and it helped me understand that each variety has to be known for its characteristics and the buyer needs to know the variety and what it does on his place.
0: So uh, the uh, the planting date deal, you know, we, we always hear different people have so many different ideas of when they're gonna plant. And um, I guess for, for folks that are maybe thinking about, even if they're not dairy folks, and they're thinking about uh, putting in a, a good variety that, that comes springtime, they could make some hay or whatever. What I mean, w- what's your advice for that? It
1: all depends on what you need in the way of fall grazing. If you're planting it primarily for hay or silage and the grazing is secondary, it really doesn't matter when you plant it. it. It's just like wheat. Anytime you can plant wheat, you can plant triticale. Uh, triticale does not have the disease and insect pressures of wheat, and you can safely plant them earlier than wheat. The only thing you have to watch out for is the wireworm. Uh, but uh, typically I recommend that they be planted two weeks earlier than the wheat. Gotcha if winter grazing is important, you really need to plant them before September 15th. Uh, Generally speaking, triticale is enough like wheat that if you follow wheat cultural practices, you're doing just fine. You can fine tune that depending on variety and management uh, and and, uh, do a better job, but You'll do okay if you follow wheat management practices uh, with the Triticale.
0: So, uh, you know, we talked about the efficiency of the crop. And, you know, I think the very first episode that I did on on this podcast was uh, we talked forage sorghums. And, uh, you know, I I see a lot more as I drive through the countryside. I was driving, where was I driving yesterday or a couple days ago? I was driving, oh, I was driving to pick up some hogs or something in Tulia. And uh, up there between uh, Oh Hub and Demet, and more or less. I mean, right there on A6, just a, a wide variety of, of sorghums, forage sorghums, all sorts of different stuff. And so, you know, it, it's cool whenever you see those things uh, in massive production through those areas. Granted, we've had a really good year, and, and a lot of that, it, there's some of it's dry land, some of it's not, but uh, we talk about the diversity that people are having to go to because of water. And so I guess uh, from what it sounds like uh, the triticale and even um, the forage sorghum deal, that's a pretty good combination. If you're, uh, if you're a little bit, uh, you know, lacking on water and you're trying to still be involved in that, in that silage market, correct?
1: Yes. Let me give a shout out to one of my favorite people. Dr. Jordan uh, is, uh, does excellent work at Texas A&M. Jordan and Bell, uh, right? Jordan Bell. Yes, she does excellent work. And I would recommend that everybody study her results. They're good. Uh, she knows what she's doing and the results are good. Uh, I'm a fan of, of, uh, uh, Mojo seeds because they, they have the biggest berries of any variety on the market and they're, they're easier to process in making silage for the dairies. Um, uh, but nevertheless, uh, uh, Jordan Bell, uh, she, she and and she's got a jack of a husband. He, <laughs> he, he's a, he's a card, but she puts up with him and, uh, she does a really good job on her research, study her research, uh, when you're doing forage sorghums.
0: Yeah. And, and back to the Triticale deal and small grain thing, I've, uh, you know, that I've done a lot of work with her and we i remember a few years ago we put in a a uh, small grains trial right there around the uh, atterbury grain in Tuya uh, and uh you remember how that went it didn't go very good but uh anyway we you'll be delighted to know that we're we're back in the trial business again uh, uh, this area down here is a is big time for small grains and so uh, we'll have a, a little mixed uh, variety trial going in uh, uh, right around bovina and then we have another one that's uh Kind of interesting, it'll be with Red Rock Dairy, uh, John Van Uh It's uh, gonna involve some uh, some triticale and some solid stem wheat uh, from Colorado State. And uh, we're looking forward to, to those trials. Matter of fact, I probably need to be uh, not recording podcasts and probably in the in the field working to work with those guys to get that stuff planted, but- Oh, the Red Rock
1: Dairy is one of the best dairies in, in the panhandle. <laughs> they really good. I, I enjoy going to visit with them. Because they know what they're doing and and uh, they do it right.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we talk about the research that's put forth, and and a lot of people that listen to the podcast and even the folks with AgriLife understand that there's an amount, immense amount of, of time and effort and research that goes into uh, providing non-biased, not or non-biased research for our for our benefit from an educational standpoint, but also. Uh, to the end user to be able to make informed decisions and so one of the things that i do like and appreciate about the research we do is the fact that we have people who are end users and i'm saying dairymen who really pay attention to that stuff And, and not just uh red rock for instance but there's a bunch of dairies around here that that are really uh buying in per se of the research that's being done not just by jordan bell but also uh, Juan Pinero, he's a dairy specialist at Amarillo, is helping us with a lot of this stuff. And so uh, we, we have an absolute great team that surrounds us to be able to provide this stuff for people. Yes. So, and and so you've done a lot of trials in the past too. And I know that you're, I have vivid memories of some of the trials that you did in Hereford. And uh, so I guess from the standpoint of, of remembering what Triticale is and how it's always looked, I mean, it always it was just beautiful, just beautiful to see it out there, it, it, whether it's in a trial or not, and see that that this was a crop that was going to hopefully provide another avenue for producers and also the farmers that were going to farm it. But um, I, I encourage any of y'all uh, th- who are interested in learning more about it to, to look at our research, but also I'll give you my uncle's phone number. He'll talk to you all day about it if you want to. And, uh, and by, by far, it's it's something that we talk about efficiency we talk about uh tonnage and milk per acre but it's something that is really come a long way because of people like yourself that have put in so much time, put so much time and effort into it i want to ask you one one quick question and and we'll have a little wrap up here in a minute and we you can add whatever you want to but uh, what uh if, if farmers are farming it, I guess it's covered insurance-wise, it, it, like other crops, or how's that, uh, is, I mean, what what's that all about?
1: We now have insurance for Triticale. Uh, it, it's been a long, long road. In 2002, we got the legal right to have insurance, and then for 15 years, the uh, Office of Budget Management said they didn't have money for it. We finally, in 2017, got insurance with the help of AgriLogic out of College Station. And uh, it's now available for the most of the counties of the Texas Panhandle, Eastern New Mexico, and Southwest Kansas. Uh, also various growing areas around the country. And uh, uh, you can go to your local agent and ask him about the Triticale program. Uh, there's also NAP, which uh, NAP, which uh, you can use for Triticale insurance. Uh, it, it's Triticale is grown during the time that it doesn't get hit too often when it's taken for silage or hay. But nevertheless, as we get more and more that are going to grain, For instance, we had to increase our seed acres at Watley Seeds this year by a couple thousand more acres because of the uh, interest. Uh, So those farmers desperately need insurance because they now have a valuable crop that has to be covered or their banker is not going to be very happy with them. So that's covered now. We do have Triticale insurance uh, in a good number of states, and it it should continue to grow as triticale grows in coverage of of acres.
0: What are the biggest grain producing areas for triticale in the United States?
1: Uh, Probably Washington state. They grow a lot of it for poultry feed and they have a pretty good uh, whiskey industry going. And uh, so they, they have a more need than anybody else for grain. The second would be here in the Panhandle because most of your certified seed acres are in the Panhandle uh, and Southwest Kansas.
0: So I guess what you, every time we talk about uh, the grain, you always go back to the whiskey thing. So I guess if if anybody wants to do a whiskey tour of Washington state, you're gonna be the tour guide. Say that again. Uh, I said, uh, every time we talk about the grain, you, you bring up the whiskey deal. So I guess if somebody wants to go on a whiskey tour in Washington State, you can be the tour guide.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'll work.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, like I said, this has been a cool little podcast episode that I've been able to visit with you. I, I told him whenever I first got on, it's kind of, kind of crazy the world we live in. I haven't seen you in person in a while. I don't know when the last time I saw you was. And now I have to get on a Zoom to see you but you don't, look, <laughs> you don't look like you've aged any. So that makes me feel good. Uh, but you know, it's the world we're in is, uh, I'm not going to get too, too much off onto that, but I will say this. Don't, uh, don't make it a habit. I'm not just talking, I'm not talking to you directly, but anybody that's listening, don't make it a habit to uh, visit with your relatives via zoom. Cause that's just not the same as being right next to them. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I,
1: I go to a lot of weddings, funerals, uh, meetings, things like that, and old friends will walk up and say, gosh, you look good, and I assume that means that's code for, I thought you were dead.
0: (laughs) Well, Yeah, or or code for, I I thought we were coming to your funeral, you know, or whatever, so uh, (laughs) I I guess it's a genetic thing. I kind of get that sometimes, too. They're like, oh, I didn't know you were that old. I say, well, I feel that old some days, but uh yeah very blessed with with the uh people that are in our family and i'll I'll, you know i don't think we talk about we're pretty humble people we don't talk about that but i i was absolutely blessed with a set of aunts and uncles who are absolute superstars in their own rights in each each part of their life that they've ever led so um I tell you what, maybe I'm going to have to get Uncle Drew on here and we're going to do Ag Law next time. Who knows? He's he's a superstar. In yeah. Yeah. States. My brother is
1: one of the foremost Ag lawyers in the United States. Yeah. He's so really good at it.
0: Yeah. I think we have some uh, listeners. I'm going to give them a shout out today uh, that would love to hear them, hear him on a podcast. And that's uh, Amber Miller in Lubbock. She's a, an attorney in Lubbock. And then our agri-life ag law specialist tiffany lashmit and i know that oh
1: tiffany's good oh i really like tiffany
0: both big fans of him too so maybe that's a maybe that'd be a good one i maybe back-to-back brothers i can get get him on here sometime (laughs) (laughs) that'll work yeah well i appreciate you uh, being on here with me and like i said i knew that i was uh, when i started these podcasts i did not exactly know uh what i was gonna do i'll be just flat honest i didn't know how this can go i'm not a I'm not typically super technological, so I had to rely on a lot of help. And a lot of the information I get from the listeners is, we love the approach. It's there. it's not scripted. It's so it's not it's not that it's off the wall. It's just not scripted. It's like you're having a conversation with that person every time that there's a new one coming out. We never know what it's going to be about. And so that's what I really love about these podcasts: the fact that we skip all over and hit on something that is uh, it, that can be information informational for regular listeners or the dairymen or researchers or whoever attorneys. And so, uh, you know, as with the rest of them, I'm pleased that I was able to talk to you and visit with you about Trita Kaylee. Uh, like I said, this episode was brought to you by 40 ag world. Uh, I did mess up the last name earlier. I think it's actually said de uh, they're Frisian and wonderful people and, uh, very big supporters of what we do with this podcast. So thank you guys for, uh, for, sponsoring this podcast if anybody has any questions on seed or or learn more about tritc you call me at the extension office extension office in Bailey county and i will get you hooked up with my uncle the superstar the tritc man ron kershyn
1: thank you john i appreciate it very much
0: yes sir and uh we will be visiting with you hopefully in person soon and uh with that that's the end of episode 11 thank you for listening and I hope you stay tuned for uh future episodes and like i said you can find those on anchor and spotify uh we try as hard as we can to get those posted and uploaded for people to, to listen to and so with that being said so long for today <laughs>